0: Sub la tua sedore, j'ai notre soccupore, j'ai notre cita vore, je la tourne la tilatoire. L'espinache la boucheau, si great pote bello, si racky spacaletto, si Hello and welcome back to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. So in this episode, I will be sort of finishing up uh, all, all I really need to say or want to say about uh, James Adji's film writing. We spent the last five episodes looking at his reviews, um, and that was a lot of fun, and I learned a lot. But, uh, yeah, all that's really left here is his screenplay for The Night of the Hunter. Uh, the Night of the Hunter... of of course it's a pretty classic film. It's it's usually ranked pretty high when when people try those, you know, top 100 movie lists, top 100 movies of all time, um, usually is up there. I've even seen one list that this as number 2 after Citizen Kane. So it's certainly a well-respected movie. Um, it's so what I did is I, I kind of read this screenplay while watching the film. Uh, and, of course, this, this kind of forces us to talk about this screenplay a little bit. Um, this, uh, this movie, this screenplay, uh, was written by, by Adji um, in, I think, 1953, based on the novel by David Davis Grubb, um, and it was directed by the actor, I think this is his sole directing credit, Charles uh, Lawton. Um, and there's been a little bit of, I guess, controversy or, or disagreement, scholarly disagreement about, you know, how much did Lawton change? Um, and, you know, he, it was stiffly cut because the screenplay was just too long. And I, I believe what we have here in the Library of America version is that, that full long version. But I read somewhere it was like 250 pages. This is 100. I don't know. Maybe there's a longer version out there um that would also been cut the the key point here is that the film the screenplay is is Aggies and he re- he's got the sole writing credit lawton didn't claim writing credit he did revise but mostly it's cut so like pretty much all the language in the film is in the screenplay in one in one place or another and this, the scene by scene is pretty much the same what is you know it's just certain parts were cut out now there was a little bit that was rearranged there's like a, a scene at the end I think it's moved to the beginning, just kind of a, a, a dramatic scene about about children, and kind of the the kind of a panning up to the starry sky that that is moved to the beginning of the of the film. Um, but otherwise, it's pretty much uh, scene for scene what we got here in the in the Adji screenplay. So um, it's. It's quite good. I actually urge you to watch it and, and read the screenplay if you want. I don't think you really need to. Um, it is kind of fun. I, I don't know. I, have a, I don't really like reading screenplays and plays. I prefer to watch them. it's um, one reason I haven't done like Eugene O'Neill as much as I want to or Tennessee Williams. It's because unless I have a good access, maybe there's a subscription service for plays that I could sign up for. I know the Met has one for opera. It's kind of expensive. Though. I think it's like 25 a month. I don't know if that's worth it. I, I did subscribe for like a month or two and then gave up on it. There might be something like that for plays that that would allow me to to do that. That that's something I may consider. Um, you know, there's not many of these plays on just on YouTube or, or things. So, but anyways, uh, there are actually a couple volumes of Library of America of films of 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 you know even musicals and things. So, um, we'll we'll maybe get to those someday. But I think this is in first for me is to actually talk about a a movie I think I've maybe said from time to time like I'll watch the movie version and comment on it never really got around to it but it's it's hard to avoid in this this particular um, case so you know kind of it it does sort of feel like he may have been inspired a little bit by Monsignor Verdot, Monsieur Verdot, uh the Chaplin movie. While, well, but while that's a comedy, and and played kind of not really necessary for laughs, but played in a more, um, I guess, in a less horrifying fashion than it could have been. A, a, a film about a serial killer. Um, we have the same kind of character here, but he's much darker. He's much. I mean, he's he is a villain. It's 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 almost like a horror film, in the way it's played, and and I think that works really well in this in this in this story. So our our main character in the screenplay is just the preacher. He does he does have a name, um, uh, Harry Powell. But in the screenplay, he's just known as the preacher. He's not a real preacher. It's just the you know the role he gives himself to perform his serial killing. And and what does he do? Well, he finds. Uh, Wives, widows, widows I guess, or, or I guess single women too. But it seems like it's mostly widows. Marries them for their money, kills them. So in that sense, it's like Monsignor Verdo. But there, kind of the comparisons drop off pretty quickly. It's um, it's it's a much much darker story, and it's not trying to do too much trying in trying to kind of justify these crimes. Uh, the way that Monsignor Verdot is trying to put these crimes in the context of war, in the context of the, the evils of the Great Depression, the economic injustice, and all that—that's not. There's no attempt to really do this here. It's just a man who's insane for money, murder. You know, willing to kill whoever he needs to 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 secure that money. This is um, this is who he is. Um, so when we meet uh, the preacher, and pretty much the first thing he's justifying himself to God. And and this is the closest we get to any effort by the main character just to justify himself. He says, um, "I'm tired. Sometimes I wonder if you really understand. Now that you mind the killin', your book's full of killin'. But there are things you do hate, Lord. Perfume-smelling, lacy things, things with curly hair." And then he jumps to a scene where he's, you know, at a like a at a burlesque show, watching you know, uh, women on the stage. And, you know, I think that is kind of an interesting criticism of Christianity and the morality of Christianity. And that if you do read the Bible, it is full of murder. Even God is killing people and and especially in the Old Testament. Um, But and of course, the history of Christianity is full of full of blood. But you get this kind of moral um, outrage about sex. Um, That's really only sex we get in the in the film at all. uh, Because that's not the preacher's interest, uh, at least not in his. Real professional life, which is devoted to to murdering widows for their their money. Um, so not long after we're introduced to the to the to the preacher, we find that he gets arrested for stealing a car, not for the murders. He gets arrested for stealing the car. The judge calls him out. You know, you're not a real holy man, obviously. And so we're we're told that he's just a fake holy man, and he gets put to jail for like a few months or whatever. Then this is juxtaposed to another crime, which is I think there's if there is some criticism of like the economic system of the time uh, of inequality, it's in this scene um, where um, um, we're introduced to John, we're introduced to Pearl, two kids, and Ben, their father. And Ben has is on the run from the cops. He has essentially stolen uh, $10,000 or some amount of money. Uh, $10,000 is... is number that gets thrown around and and he's killed some people in the process of doing this this is presented as more of a a crime of justice uh economic justice Um, here's what he says uh, because later he gets arrested he gets arrested in front of his kids and that's an important scene where john this young boy sees his father being arrested shouts don't don't uh this is parallel to a scene at the end of the uh, at the end of the film where his second father gets arrested of course you know the second marriage is a lie it's, it's a it's, it's a criminal act but it causes this flashback of this original scene he gets arrested now he's tried for murder and, and bank robbery and things like that so he gets put to death and, and we don't see that it's not in the screenplay it's not in the film either but what we do see is that basically the preacher and and Ben are in the same jail cell together. And what? And this allows the preacher to learn about the money. But we also get his justification. He says, the preacher says, you killed two men, Ben Harper. That's right, preacher. I robbed the bank because I got tired of seeing children roaming the woodlands without food. Children roaming the highways in the ye- this year of depression. Children sleeping in an old abandoned car bodies on junk heaps. And I promised myself I'd never see them in my young'uns. Want, so he's not a moral bandit. He just wants to secure a future for his children. Um, But this is his big mistake because he tells this to this preacher who makes his living stealing from from widows. And soon, you know, John's parents, John's or John's father, John's mother is a widow. That's what I want to say. John's mother is made a widow soon after because of the hangman's noose. And now the preacher has this like hate love tattoos on his knuckles. Um, and he uses this in his preaching, right? You know, in his, in his false preaching. I guess it's real preaching. Yeah, I mean, preaching is just a f- kind of a form of acting. But he's got the story of, like, the relationship between love and hate and, and good and evil. Um, of course, that's a theme of the film as well. So soon after, the preacher shows up. Uh, after he gets out of jail, I suppose, he shows up at, at John's house, meets the wife. Wife, what's her name? Willa. Yeah, Willow. Willow's the mother. Meets her. Tells her... Ba- basically, he poses as the preacher for the prison. He doesn't say, I met him whilst in jail. He says, I was the preacher at the prison, but now I've left and moved on. And, you know, I was inspired by a story. I wanted to, you know, meet, meet you. And this is his way in to the, to the family. Now, there's some other characters. There's uh, uh, a woman named Icy who is, I'm actually not sure her relationship to Willa. She's like an aunt or something, some kind of connection. But she's the one who sort of is encouraging Willa to kind of move on with her life, to get a new husband. And lo and behold, there's a preacher here who's single, looking for, you know, open to to marriage or whatever. So she's kind of pushing her to to marry. The other interesting character we have here is Bertie. Um, Bertie is uh, like a man who works on the on on the docks fixing boats and things and he's an alcoholic he's a he's a drunk um, and kind of a marginalized member of the community but he's good friends with John and and they're able to have some connections and and there's kind of a he's trying to fix up this boat that Ben left for John and that becomes important later on in the story but he's kind of another important character a side character in the in the story So essentially what happens is the preacher marries um, Willa. Um, The kids, especially John, pretty much knows what's up right away. So the real tension, the real uh, horror in the film and and, in the screenplay comes between the preacher and the children as he's trying to use his authority as their new father and just a big guy and a murderer and someone willing to inflict violence to get the location of the money from the children he tries lying first saying like you know my you know your daddy told me where the money is and John doesn't budge with that uh Pearl is more trusting more open both to this new father um, and just to people in general because she's a younger uh, person not as suspicious and she's more of a weak leg, leg but Ben had ordered both of his children not to sell, tell anyone the, the location of the money. Now, where the money is, it's stashed in the doll that Pearl carries around. Um, now, this relationship between Will and the preacher is pretty short. They do get married, but there's some interesting moments in it. I think one that was really striking to me was when Willa starts to, they start to basically start up a congregation. And Willa you know, calls out her ex-husband as a, as a sinner, as a criminal, um, and blames herself, too. So there's this focus on sin in, um and I mean, that's that's key to Christianity as a whole. But but, the you know, obviously the real sinner here is the is the preacher himself. So he says to the congregation, this is in the screenplay. I don't know if it's in the movie. I, I don't think this exact line is in the movie. It was cut, but he says, "You see the body of a woman, the temple of creation and motherhood. You see the flesh of Eve that man, since Adam, has profaned. The body was meant for beggaring children. It was not meant for the lust of men." Um, maybe that's just him talking to to Willa, um, and you know, it's, it's not a relationship based on sex from the preacher's point of view. He's Just using her for the short term to get the to get the money. But in the congregation, she kind of builds on this language and, and just discussion of sin, saying to the congregation, but which one of you can say as I can say, I drove a good man to murder because I kept hounding him for clothes and perfumes and face paint. And he slew two human beings and he comes to me and he says, take this money and buy your perfumes and paint. Um, but brethren, that's when the Lord stepped in. That's where the Lord stepped in. Um, and anyways... Um, so not long after this, uh, the preacher begins harassing the children, especially John, for the location of the money using his uh, newly acquired parental authority. Uh, they don't budge, especially not John. John stands up to him. Um, and finally, and when Willa doesn't really seem to know, he eventually murders Willa and dumps her in the river. Now, this is discovered by Bertie, that drunk, and he doesn't say anything about this because he's afraid that he'll be blamed because he's a drunk on the docks and, and, and you know maybe it was his fault this car got dumped in the river or whatever, he's fearful of this. So he keeps quiet um, because of this. So uh, the, his alcoholism becomes an important plot point uh, because he's unable to, to act when he should act in a way that could have maybe saved the children. Um, so now orphaned, totally orphaned, and living with this, this preacher, uh, he's able to kind of. Fulfill, it really gets horrific because he's able to fulfill his his terror on the children, in full force, uh, tormenting them, you know, threatening them, pulling a knife on Pearl, all the things you know he, he might expect. Uh, John's able to try to outsmart him. He gets him into the cellar. Says, "Oh, the money's buried in the cellar." Um, and then when he's down there, they're able to kind of beat him over the head and escape and flee the house. And eventually they're able to get away. They're able to go and find birdie and find the boat and escape on the boat down, down the river. And then we get these wonderful scenes there they're in the film, uh, of this preacher kind of trying to track down the kids as they're fleeing through the, through the, uh, the countryside, uh, on this boat eventually they're the, the children are found by a uh a woman uh what's her name rachel uh, an older woman who identifies immediately that they're in trouble and they're distraught cleans them up feeds them basically takes them in uh, eventually the preacher finds them and locates them and approaches the house and rachel you know keeps him away in fact at one point using a gun to to scare him away and uh, and when he finally says i'm going to come back he comes back with force and rachel's able to like wound him get him into the barn call the police and the police are the police come and when everything is revealed that he's the murderer of willa that he's just after this money that he's a serial killer then you get this effort to try to lynch him by the by the community including icy who was the one who originally encouraged willa to to marry this man now the scene where he gets arrested is, is kind of traumatic for John because he's basically reliving the same experience of, of his father being arrested in the, with, by the cops. And it's the same language. He, he yells, don't, don't, uh, when, during the arrest scene, you know, I mean, it's not that he knows, he doesn't think this man is his father at all, but it's just kind of he's reliving this traumatic experience that he had or he lost his, his one father. Uh, I think there's some really interesting things in the in the film and the screenplay overall, like the matter of fact nature of violence is is really kind of one of the more disturbing elements here. Uh, Not only the preachers in, you know, matter of fact, murdering of of women and and the way he kills Willa, um, you know, after a conversation they have in bed, you know, the next morning she's gone. He says she fled, but he had really killed her. That. But even the matter-of-fact nature of the killing of Ben by the state, I think, is, is, is actually something that bothered me very early in the, in the reading here and in the watching of the film. It's just how, I mean, the only person really seemingly affected by it is John. Everyone else sort of just moves on with their life, takes it for granted that, that the state executes people all the time. It seems to happen very quickly. Um, even Ben himself is, is kind of resigned to his, his death. and. It's. I mean, that could have been a whole nother, uh movie, right? A whole nother story on its own. Just the, you know, why did this murder take place? Why was this bank robbery happen? The defense, all that is just passed away and just shoved into the background of of the story. But it's there. It 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 shadows. It's shadow. It's a shadow over the whole thing. And then, of course, that's going to be the fate of the preacher as well. Um, you know, the, you got the lynch mod coming. I think the, the lynch mod is basically broken up um, and Justice was be able to do its its work in its, in its own way, but the end result will be the same. So, I mean, I don't know really so much what to say about The Night of the Hunter. I, I do think it's a really excellent movie and, and should be watched. Uh, the acting is superb here, the, especially Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum, a famous actor, died 15 years ago or so, I think. I remember seeing Robert Mitchum first, like, with the War and Remembrance television series. So, um, but he was a, a famous actor throughout the 50s and 60s. Um, the film came out in 1955 after um, Agi had already died, Agi died in 1955, I believe. Um, yeah, massive heart attack. He was, alcohol was probably the root cause of his physical decline. Um, but uh, like Robert Mitchum's performance here is really amazing. It's it's fright frightening. It's it's kind of it's rather horrifying. I think uh, James Gleason's performance as as Uncle Bertie, this this drunk, is, is quite touching as well. Um, and and Lillian Lillian Gish's performance as Rachel, this woman who who saves the day, is also uh, quite memorable. So I think the performances are good. I think the film does stand up. I don't know if you really need to read the screenplay, but, um, you know, I think one contribution here is one reason to look at it is to kind of get beyond the kind of the cliche that apparently had been floating around. That really um, Lawton had basically written this film and actually and sort of got the writing credit kind of on false pretext it's like i mean the idea was he kind of submitted something that was unworkable and then lawton rewrote the whole thing and he was the real writer of it but that doesn't seem to be the case when you actually look at it like scene by scene it just was cut significantly by by lawton in fact this was so uh watch a documentary on youtube like a 10 minute one that's kind of a the actors thinking back i don't know if it was on a dvd of of the night of the hunter but uh you know, you had like Mitchum said, Robert Mitchum says that basically Lawton wrote this and that Aji, you know, just wrote this unworkable, crazy document. And you know, he describes as this as a big book or something, like a big tome. You know, I don't know if that's fair. I think Aji does deserve the writing credit here as it as he gets on, on the film itself. So, um, great cast, uh, really chilling, really, uh, 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 really, a horror film, actually, uh, really a psychological horror film. Uh, the dread you feel for the for the children is really quite real, especially in the flight from the home. They're hiding out in the woods. Take this boat. Uh, they're on the run, and and you got uh, the preacher following them on a horse, singing religious songs. It's all really, really creepy and and, and well done. So I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't really know how to review movies. Sorry. I I I, I do better with the books, I guess. But. Uh, Anyways, that's my thoughts. That's my thoughts on Night of the Hunter. That's all you're going to get from me uh, in this particular episode. So sorry if you wanted a little bit more, but um, that's all we're going to get. One more episode on this volume of Edgy's writing, which is just selected journalism. Um, So back to what I'm a little bit more comfortable with talking about, I suppose. Some interesting essays on on America in the Great Depression years and the years uh, after that. A few book reviews, too. So that'll be next. Uh, and then we'll be, then we'll move on to, uh, let us praise famous men. So that's, that's the big job ahead of us. So, um, this episode, next episode will be rather short as I prepare for, uh, this much bigger job of talking about let us praise famous men. Uh, Agy's, of course, a masterpiece. So that's it for now. If you saw Night of the Hunter, if you read the screenplay, let me know what you think. Uh, you know i'll be interested in your point of view i I just think it's really a a very chilling horror film really and it, it, it works quite well so that's it thanks for for listening and i'll see you next time J'ai notre sol la mine, j'ai notre essor consigne. Je le sens trop vite. je le sens vilatoire.